only ever be where you are right now. Bottles your podcast. It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. The Bold Sip weekly email newsletter is now being released, something that you guys have been asking for quite some time. You know, it's just a quick sip of social dynamics and what I'm currently exploring before your weekend dive. It could be an exchange from one of my clients and I, it could be a quick tip for you going out, it could be anything in the world of dating, social dynamics, relationships, human interaction, and then just all the other cool shit, whether it be around fitness, other podcasts that are blowing my mind, updates to the resources of a wisdom, where I'm going to be able to let you guys know when new anime docos, uh, music, quotes, books, etc. get added to it. Yeah, it's just a quick sip, so it's free. All you have to do is head to boldojo.com drop your email in there and you'll receive the very next sip hot and fresh this delicious episode is brought to you by bulldozer.com where you guys can pick up my ebook the toolbox of game crash course to kick ass day game get you out there get your day game sorted pair it up with a 30 day challenge and you will be sweet you can also book one-on-one skype coaching where we dive into your limiting beliefs create action plans to help you move forward in your life you you can get infill breakdowns you can have hd recorded sessions so you don't have to worry about taking notes you can also gain access to the bowl inside, which is priority messaging, which means you get access to me on my private WhatsApp number. You also get access to priority bookings, so you won't be waiting forever to get your session booked in. And finally, you can book in for those deep, immersive boot camps, the day game foundation of boot camps. Have the path of illumination laid out for your social skill set. You know, it's about attaining the freedom of choice in your dating life, to be able to see a woman anywhere that you are, anytime, anywhere, no matter how you're feeling. And be confident that you know exactly how to run this interaction. Bring the best of yourself, the best of your 50. Convey that direct, congruent, authentic, masculine intent. Yes, sir. Bootcamp is just the foundations of that and the work to come, which will be uh, heavily, heavily involved with me for the 12 weeks after that. So, serious inquiries only or via boldojo.com. Now, if you guys would like to donate anything to support this channel, you can do so directly through boldojo.com. In the podcast section, there's a donate button at the top. You can donate directly from there. Or if you prefer PayPal, there's also paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. All the links are down below and anything that you guys do contribute goes straight back to the channel. I super appreciate it. I'm very grateful. It blows my mind. So thank you very much. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here and welcome to this episode on life and death, part of the Bodoja podcast ongoing series of where I talk to you guys about, well, post. It's always post visiting the parents of someone who took his own life. And that's someone being one of my best friends, someone who taught me so much in life, someone I considered a mentor as well, uh, Matt. And for those of you that have been following this channel for a long time, you know, I uh, reference Matt ad nauseum. Uh, he's featured in so many of my videos. And so, yes, uh, in this podcast, what I do, it's the third episode, but it's the fourth anniversary. So if you guys haven't seen the other podcasts, I always do them probably the day after, not that day, but the day after I visit Matt's parents. So on the anniversary of Matt's uh, death, within a week or two, I'll go by their place. They're on the other side of town for me here in uh, Adelaide, South Australia. And I just go and visit them and just to check in, just to check in with them, just to see how, not only to learn, not only to learn what it's like to be a parent living this life of a child who took his own life, especially of a child that no one would ever expect that Matt was like myself, Matt was like Roy, so much thirst for life, so much so much enthusiasm to improve himself. And so that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very shocking, even to this day, to his parents. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go off on tangents here. But so the context, I was on the context, we'll dive into some stuff later on, but basically, so I just go visit them and I just want to check in, I want to learn from them, I want to be 
I want to be the guiding rock and the receiving force just in case there is any emotional leakage that does need to come out that was not allowed to. Whether I'm not sure what the emotional support system is like, but I talked about this in the last episode, which is that I don't believe anyone in this life should have to deal with death on its own. And I do believe that death is one of the most beautiful things in this life. I feel like the transition from life to death is it's what makes our existence as human beings so powerful, so worthy. Anyways, that's what I typically do, and I'll record a podcast a week after. However, today I'm doing something a bit different, and that's why I will... Oh, shit, can we get this handle? That's why today, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, I am speaking to you in a car right now, because I'm just a straight away from Matt's parents' house, and I just got done speaking with them. I was at their place for about an hour or so, and I guess that that's just the context, that's why I'm in the car, that's why well, we're using a slightly different microphone and slightly different feed on the vid. So I hope you guys are well, and we're just going to dive in here and see what we can do. You know, in this On Life and Death series, let's get some water out. On Life and Death, I really just, I didn't really have an intention with starting it. Now it's just become a running series. I don't think people discuss death enough. I think people are afraid of it. I think people like to treat it as if it's the annoying cousin at the, at the barbecue. Yeah, everyone's got that annoying barbecue, that annoying cousin at the barbecue. Where, you know, fucking Jeffrey, you don't want to see him, but he's got to be there, so you got to say hi anyway. <laughs> we all know, you all know. And, you know, so we, we will address it. We acknowledge that death's a real thing. But I, I just don't, I, I've seldom here, even from my, sorry for the background noise, even from people that I, regularly consume content of in different spaces people that i look up to as well i don't hear them speak about death too often and and even when they do i feel like they they pull their punches they they don't discuss it in full and that and i understand i understand completely that the emotions the just the sheer emotions that come about from someone you loved whether it be your best friend your mother brother, husband, father, an acquaintance who just had some impact on you. Shout out to Wayne. Rest in peace, Wayne Dyer. You know, in any regard, the, the transitioning of someone from breathing, pumping blood through their veins, to being lifeless and cold. And where did their spirit go if they in fact had one? Where does that soul now go if they in fact had one? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Are there many gods? Is there only one? Is there none? All these questions come about and it's daunting. It's very... I, that's why I just I'm, I have empathy for people that are unwilling to discuss their true thoughts or even open up around what death actually is. And I feel like part of this series is me doing that for myself, for sure. But also just giving you guys permission to do so. Giving you guys permission to do so that... I said before... Death, I do not believe, evolutionally speaking, was something that anyone ever had to deal with in solitary confinement. You know, if you grew up in communities and tribes of 100 to 150 people or so, as Dunbar says, it's unlikely that you would be left to your own devices to deal with the death of a loved one and the transitioning of that. That's why we see so many rituals around death. But where are the rituals now? We have one, it's called a funeral. 
But what's said after that? And even then, I've been to a couple of funerals in my time. And particularly when I look at Matt's, it's a beautiful affair, depending on the, uh, what should I say, the faith that you belong to. It's a beautiful affair in the sense that it's, it's memories, it's the regaling of stories of him and his be- or him or her and their best times and and you see all these people, everyone comes together connected even though you never really would have seen them before and we all share in this one moment. It's a tremendous sense of community but it lasts an afternoon or a morning. What's said after that? And that's why I feel like visiting Matt's parents every year uh, if not the day, or within the week or maximum two weeks on the anniversary, sometimes I'm traveling around this time with boot camps and whatnot, but I always, I've made that commitment ever since he passed away. This is the fourth year. It's only the third episode though, because the first anniversary of Matt's uh, passing was all of the boys came around for a barbecue at Matt's place. And so, but that wasn't very, yeah, you know, that sounds like some good community. It is, but it's not like we all sat around and discussed our true thoughts, how we emotionally, psycho- psychologically have been dealing with Matt's death. No, it was just, it, it was all, uh, it was all wrapping paper, as I described. It was, you know, it was, it was just barbecue, sausages on the barbecue and a swim in the pool and a little bit of tennis and UFC and that's about it. So I made, I made a point the next year to go back and just like, let me actually just talk to his parents. And what I found was that I opened up Pandora's box. I found that there was so much pain being harbored and I wasn't, I had no idea. I've never, I've never spoken to the parents who had a child take his own life. I've never done that before. And so it was very shocking to me the first time it happened, but I was, I was good. I was good and I sat there with them for like two hours while they just bawled their eyes out and just told me all of their, uh, all their deepest and darkest, all the thoughts that, have, all their, their thoughts to do with suicide, etc. And I've just been doing that every year since. And so this year, what have we found? This year, what have we found? Hold on, let me reset this camera. And so what I found with Matt's parents this time was that I got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were actually suffering from the flu, uh, this time around, which they had not been the last three years. So it's not a fair comparison. They're not in, they didn't have all their max energy to give me, particularly his mum. But his dad was able to... I was sat, had a good hour's chat with his dad. And, yes, yeah, tears flowing. Tears still flowing. Pain's still there. And if you guys remember, if you saw the last On Life and Death part two, yes? Three. Part three. Uh, whatever one it is. The last one before this. I told you that it was the first time that I'd felt a glimmer of hope and positivity from his parents, that every other time I'd seen them, that I'd come around for these uh, deep and meaningful chats, that it was nothing but pain. And I was talking about, I think I remember saying something like, miles long, miles long of pain, like to clear that out. And it just seemed inconceivable that these people would ever reach a more positive place in their lives. But then the last year, I felt some of it. I felt like... For the first time, they were mentioning just more brighter, positive things around Matt and his death. This time, it may, I think maybe the flu might have had something to do with it. I don't know. But he was his father in particular was in just as much pain. wouldn't say more, but I'll say just as much. And in his own words, he told me that, you know, while he's just bawling his eyes out, crying, he's saying to me, 
you know, you'd, you'd think over four years it would stop hurting. But it hasn't, Adam. It hasn't changed. And I'm just sitting there nodding away. And I guess this is something I want to bring up right now, which is I'm, I'm the only one of Matt's friends who does this. I'm the only one. And Matt was an extremely popular guy. So many different friends from so many different circles. His funeral was part, packed, absolutely packed. I'm the only one who comes by and just does this. And the reason why I mentioned that is because I feel like if if I wasn't the only one, if if five, if I if there was like fifteen guy, fifteen guys, fifteen lads, maybe maybe a little bit less, maybe twelve, to somewhere between twelve to fifteen guys that came to his first anniversary barbecue, and imagine if another twelve guys like me just sat down there just to listen to his parents talk, just give him a chance, give him a moment to allow their emotions to filter out. And to be received by a force that is not going to judge, that is not going to subject, that will only just be there to return with love and kindness. Would they be? Would things help be better? I can't say. I don't know. I don't know. But I also wanted to mention that because I was talking to my mum about why Matt's other friends don't do this, why they don't reach out to have a meaningful just connection now because it's not like i call up and say hey guys let's uh let's all share our deepest and darkest demons and fears and and all the psychological messed up shit going in our minds and yeah and have a bat you know that's that's not what i say i've just i don't even say anything i rock up unannounced that's also part because uh for some reason samsung i don't sure if you got just a small side tangent samsung sucks with saving contacts like always I put their number in every time, but then it just somehow disappears when I get a new phone. But anyways, so I always, but every time I've rocked up unannounced. And so there's no, there's no plan. I don't tell them what we're about to do. It's, I, I like it to unfold organically. I don't, I don't set it up like a uh, 12 steps AA meeting. No, I just, I want it to be natural. The way that I interact with a woman, very similar. So I'm, I want to, I want us to get out of our own ways as much as we can and just allow things to flow. So I try and do things in the least contrived way possible. And so when I was talking to my mom about why, why do you think none of Matt's friends who are also my age, some actually most of them are one year older than me because Matt was in the year above me at school. He, uh, she, she thought, well, she said to me, well, Adam, everyone deals with death in a different way. And some people just get weird about it. Some people just, uh, and she told me about when her sister, when her mother passed away and her sister was just it was all she could do to just even come to the funeral but has been was just an absolute mess of it and so she was saying to me like you know some people just aren't up to it and that that kind of struck a chord to me as I was rocking over here and now that I've just come out of the conversation with Matt's parents it's like but there's nothing I did special there's nothing there's no ebook there's no crash course to how to talk to the parents who have lost their child through suicide have had their child pass on transition through suicide it's just i just want to hear for you so like, i just want to talk with you that's it it's like how how are you how are you going how are you guys been and then as the conversation goes on i bring some flowers i bring a photo of matt with a little nice message on the end and of course we all know so it, you know, it just organically pops in it just organically comes up and we start talking about memories and 
I always love to tell them stories about how Matt lives on through me and how all of his actions and all the energy he imparted onto me and our time together was not lost and that every single client I work with one-on-one receives the benefit of Matt's wisdom. There are so many lessons that Matt taught me that you guys have no idea and just, just his energy that, that stays with me. You have no idea that that was, a, that was something I learned from Matt. You know, I try and speak it as much as I can, but I tell you when, hey, that shit, I learned how to kiss girls purely because of Matt. <laughs> That's one thing. That's one tactical thing. Like, you know when it's right. You know when it's right. But there's so many, so many other things. So many other things just being an independent person in general. You know, but decisive, all this different stuff. But anyways... I, I just I kicked it off with that, just telling them, just so you guys know, I'm not sure if it's any consolation, but yeah, every time I work with someone, Matt is having an effect on them. And so he may not be here right now. His presence may not be here right now, but trust me, uh, his legacy lives on. And I said this in a social Q&A, just the, one, just the day before recording this, to, some, to an, a guy who was asking me about offering value. How do I become a valuable person? How do I bring value? And I said that it's how you are with people. It's your way. It's your way in this life, how you engage in interactions with all beings. And that, you know, it's a famous quote from Troy, which I've kind of started to melt into my own ways. You know, our actions uh, echo in eternity. And for me, it's like it's how you are echoes in eternity. The energy in each moment you engage with every single person in this life, it stays with you. It stays with you. It's not like a cliche thing that I'm saying that Matt's still with me. No, literally, I wake up and I think of him every single morning. Every single morning. I got a photo of him on the end of my bed. I say good morning to him. And I go throughout the day just doing my thing, getting these lessons in, coaching these people, and they all receive a piece of it. And so I'm telling this to... I'm telling this to his parents and they're just crying crying and I'm just sitting there nodding just like yeah it's real and it's good and so the the point I was going on here coming back was that I wasn't I didn't learn this from someone I didn't I didn't go on to google and say how to talk to his parents how to talk to the parents I just thought well I'll just start with just 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 talking just talking just being there. and what I found by accident is that actually, given the chance, given the opportunity, people want to open up about their deepest and darkest demons, about their psychological troubles in this life, things that keep them up at night, things that make make them want to commit suicide. People want to talk about these things. However, no one wants to go first. And it, especially in Western society, it's it seems, oh, I'm not even sure what the word is, uncalled for. Uh, I don't know, but it it just doesn't seem permissible that you could invite someone around to even discuss these kind of things, even if it's not directly. So I find it very special, and and so we spent spent an hour talking with his parents, and I just ask a lot of questions. That's all I do. I just ask a lot of questions. I say how how, how especially around time. I'm very interested in asking the parents questions around time. I ask, like, so does it feel, does it feel like time's gone faster? Does it feel like time's slowed down? And his dad says to me today, it feels like time's frozen, Adam. 
it feels like it was just yesterday morning that I walked up to his bedroom and I found him in his bed. And he's like just staring at me. And I'm like, I'm just breathing it in and just trying to understand. And then I actually saw something new for the first time in this session, in this visit, which was that I didn't, I think I had heard his parents tell me that Matt had written a final message, like a final uh, note letter, but I never saw it. Actually, I do remember a couple, the first time I came around, they had mentioned it, but I, I felt like it was too much for me to ask to see it because it was just, it was only one year or two, or, no, two years actually. And that sounds like a long time, but if you're for the parents, you've got to understand. They feel like time's frozen. So my, two years of my life might seem like a little bit longer, but to them, two years has gone by in the blink of an eye. And it's confirmed by what his dad was telling me today. And so today, I finally got to see the letter. Let me just reset here. So I finally got to see the letter today. And it was just beautiful. And it was just Matt. It was just Matt. I'm not going to tell you guys what he wrote, but the sentiment was that, don't worry about me. I'm going to a better place. And it's like, that's just like Matt. It's just like Matt. And, you know, it's, it's no... The, his parents can't help but turn to the negative. I try my best to offer lights, little, little questions that would lead them to a positive answer. So when his dad says to me, you know, I just... I, he goes on a, a huge rant about how all the different things he could have done better for Matt. How he could have been a better this, better that provided this for him, etc. And that, that's the overall, pa- that's the pain point. That is the pain point that I can see. And of course, every parent's going to be a little bit different based on their relationship with their son. But Matt's parents loved him to the, to the utmost degree. And And the pain point for them was that they just felt like they could have done more. And in my mind, of course, from a coaching perspective, I'm going, well, not only would Matt not want you to be in so much pain thinking about the past, chained to the past, thinking about all these different things you could have done, because it's endless, it's infinite, and you will be forever trapped in that cycle of pain. That's a cycle of pain that never ends. But it's not my place to tell him otherwise, tell them otherwise wouldn't think of it so all I can do is just lead them to a place of more positive light and so I asked them the question I said to his dad well what do you think you did do well for Matt you know what do you what do you you've been talking a lot I didn't I didn't say this but this is what I'm thinking I didn't say this next part which is just what I'm thinking which is that he's, he's stuck on what he's could have done better and I can see it's causing so much pain so let me just try and redirect him. And I just say, well, what did you do well for me? And it like, it really system errored for his dad. It's like, I could tell for the last, however many years, the last four years, I doubt he's ever even thought like that. Just look, just by looking on the, the look on his face. And so it took, it, it took him a couple minutes just like to not even really answer the question. He kept kind of going back to it. And I said to him, well, listen, just so you know, I know that Matt always loved his time working with you. Uh, his dad's a plasterer by trade, and Matt, from a very young age, was working with him on the construction sites. And 
and even though, yeah, as all young men do and say, they talk about where else they would rather be, you know, never satisfied with the moment, thinking about their large dreams, their big dreams, where they want to be instead. So, you know, uh, he would have his annoyances with having to go do the plaster work. However, I could always tell in Matt's voice, and this is what I'm saying to his father, that I could tell, though, just in his heart of hearts, he loved working with you and that he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it with anyone else. He would not be putting up. He would not be doing this job with anyone else. It'd be with you. And of course, his dad just starts breaking out, bawling in tears again. They're like, "That's some positivity." And it's like, and he accepted it though. He accepted. It. He goes, "Well, thank you, Adam." It's like that's that is that is good to know. That is good to know. And so, and so for those of you, maybe I'm just offering some. See if I can offer some tactics here. Is that that is if there is anything that is extremely challenging in a discussion like this in a visit like this with parents who are dealing with so much pain. Maybe coming back to what my mum said about how some people deal with death differently and really, in my mind, I feel that a lot of Matt's friends that don't do this, I feel like the reason why they don't do this is because they're just scared. They're afraid that they won't know what to say. And actually, that is something that my mum said as well, so I give you credit, Ma. Uh, <laughs> but I and I know this this is not just speculation either I know this from Roy and Roy is happy uh, to admit this he's admitted it to me many times which is that every time I tell him that I've just come back from Matt's place so his parents and you know they hope they wish you really well I just let that bike go by and and he says, oh, I'd love to go see them, but, you know, I just, I don't have enough courage. And Roy said that to me a couple times. I don't have enough courage, which essentially is just that, you know, I'm scared. I'm scared to go have this conversation because what am I going to say? What am I going to say to these parents? What can I say? And to me, that's never even been an issue. It's not even being, it's never been a, th it's never, like, in my mind, have I ever been on the drive over thinking, like, fuck, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? It's never like that because... It's not about what I'm saying. It's about why I'm there. And when I finish this conversation, and I've been there for an hour with Matt's parents, and it's just an organic time to leave, and I take my part, especially because they got the flu. I normally would stay for a little bit longer, but they were like they were pretty sick. So I just want to give them their rest. And so I walk out, and Matt, Matt's dad sees me out, and we go out into the little foyer just where the door is, and he just starts breaking down in tears and says to me, he goes... It's like, I can't remember his exact words, but this is just uh, verbatim, that paraphrasing. Adam, I'm so proud of who you are, and I thank you so much for coming here and making this trip. And I'm, I'm proud that Matt was one of your friends and that you are a friend of Matt's. And I just thank you so much for all of this, you know. And he's like, you didn't have to do this, and we thank you so much. And he's just standing there and me in the eyes, looking me straight in the eyes, just crying while saying this. And there's nothing I can do but just, just looking back and just smile, just smile, and go. It's like the honor's all mine. You don't need to thank me. The honor's all mine. And that's how you know that how much it is worth to them. And it's been like that every year. Every time I leave, he always has that little. That meant, and he shakes my hand after as well. 
uh, today we would normally hug, but he shook my hand because uh, of the flu. And he shook my hand, and he's, because, you know, all tradies, all construction, he's been in construction all his life. Their hands are like steel. Their handshakes are like platinum. They are, this, it's what, also butchers as well. If you guys ever Chris, um, start up a relationship, not sexual. What? Well, if that's the way you swing. But actually, there are female butchers, actually. Not many, though. At my butcher, there's a couple. Shout out to my local butcher, Prospect Schnellers. Um, but the butchers, butchers also have ridiculous grips. It just hands of steel. Anyways, Matt's dad, hands of steel. And normally, just one th- this is a sign tangent, I'm just realizing right now. Normally, my hand gets a little bit dwarfed in his. Like, I have small hands in general, but I have a very strong grip, though. Not only do I hang from Olympic rings every day, but it's also grip strength more comes from confidence than, like, sorry, handshake grip comes from confidence. It's more of a confidence thing. If you really had to, you could you could probably squeeze an orange to death. But <laughs> anyways, absolute tangents. But anyways, the reason why I mentioned this is because for the first time, I felt like I met his handshake equally. That we had, and we and we really like sunk into it. We really sunk into this handshake where it was just like platinum on platinum. And it's just a beautiful moment. Absolutely beautiful. The reason why I mentioned this is I didn't do anything special. I didn't have any training. All I did was I just said, I'm just going to show them a bit of love. Like in my mind, that's all I thought. I just show them a bit of love. I just want to be there for them. If it goes five minutes, fine. If it goes three hours like it normally does, that's fine. Today was about an hour just because they were sick. And that's okay. And I, I want to feel their tears. I want to feel their pain. I want to feel that sorrow. I want to know what it's like. I want to know what it's like because whether I ever have children of my own bloodline, I see all children, all men, all women as my own. I don't see myself separate from anyone. So even if I never have to go through an experience like this in my own personal one-on-one perspective, I'm sure I'm going to know someone who does. I'm sure by my time's done, I'm going to have a friend, I'm going to have an acquaintance, I'm going to know someone who goes through something very similar to this, and I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be prepared. I put in the reps, as in I exposed myself. I exposed myself to the uncomfortable, the uncomfortability of life. And we only truly become comfortable through comfort, uh, uncomfort. You don't get comfortable with the ice by sitting in your bedroom. The only way you get comfortable with the ice is by being uncomfortable in the ice. The only way you get comfortable with pain and with death is by just meeting that face on and saying, you had your day today. You had your day today. And that's okay. Life and death, one and the same for me. Might be the transition as I reset here. It's just all one journey to me. We're all one and it's all one journey. So one transition, I talked with Matt's parents a lot about, his dad in particular loves to pick my mind about what I think about the afterlife, about what, what happens afterwards. He always asks me quite in-depthly what I think. And I always tell him the same thing, which is that I think that there is a transition, whether that transition is into nothingness, into somethingness, or into everythingness. I don't know. And at the same time, I'm not surprised. If I got to the end of my life and there was a God, a heaven and a hell, and I was there at the gates, I wouldn't be surprised. 
I'm not a Christian, but I wouldn't be surprised. If I got to the end of my life and I found out that, oh, that's just the end of this simulation and now I get to enter the next simulation. Ready one, ready player one type thing. I wouldn't be surprised. If I got to the end of my life and it was, there is nothing. Well, I couldn't be surprised then because there would be nothing, but I wouldn't be surprised if I could somehow tell, if someone told me that that is in fact what happens, that it's just nothingness. I'm not surprised. I hold this life very loosely, very liquidly. And I feel that allows me to be respectful of all people and find peace within myself. And so his dad says to me, so you don't have a faith, you don't have a scripture, you don't, you don't have a group of people that you identify with. I said, no, I just believe in right now. And he like really sunk into that with me. Like quicksand, he really just went. It's like a vacuum. He's just like nodding at me, kind of looking at me, some tears flowing down. He's like, you just believe in right now. That's correct, sir. I believe in right now. And so I wish to bring the best of myself, love, peace and joy in this moment now. Because as far as I can see, no one knows what happens afterwards. And until then, I'll keep operating this way. And I believe the, the honouring of what we call life and death is very important. Very important because as far as we know, we're the only ones on this planet that have the ability to do so. At least in the way that we communicate. We, you know, there's, there's arguments about dolphins and whales and elephants and they have their own ways of mourning for sure. And, you know, it's, it's very uh, arrogant of the human race to think that we are the only ones that can perceive this way. But perception is definitely a, uh, that's, it is in fact just that, perception. So, as far as I know anyway, and so I feel like there is definitely meaning behind, behind looking at what, what happens when someone transitions on. And it's the way that I like to, to use it, to, to look at death. I like to look at it as that transition. And it's, it's brought me a lot of peace, for sure. And again, all this stuff that I'm talking about right now, it's not a prescription for you. I'd never be so rich to sit here and offer you a prescription of how to be and how to conduct your lives and your religious, religious beliefs. Oh, I'm just offering you guys a little, little cheese and a little chop here on this Saturday session. That's right, it's a Saturday. <laughs> it's the only time you'll see me record a podcast on a Saturday. And so that being said, I think that's really all I want to say to you guys. You know, the major lesson, the major takeaway from Matt's parents this time around was that the pain's still there, just as ferocious and ever-present as always. Four years on to them, time's frozen. It still feels like it was the day, the day before. I think I actually forgot. I'm not, I'm not sure if at the beginning of this podcast I mentioned the context uh, of Matt's suicide, but I've done it in every other episode. I'll just say it you know, here quickly because I think I forgot. Uh, after a long three-year battle with what doctors could never nail down of what type of mental condition it was, their best guess was schizophrenia. But the way that Matt described it to the doctors was that I don't feel like I'm me. I don't feel like I can express and create thought the way that I used to and that I'm, I'm losing myself. I can't, I can't be me anymore. And he said to his parents that 
well, if I can't live in this life the way that I want to, then I don't want to live in this life. And the way that I visualize that, and his parents resonate quite heavily with this, is that it's almost like a canary in a cage. That, and a canary that used to soar so high. Matt used to soar so high. And then imagine going through a medical condition in which that day by day your wings get plucked, get plucked away from you and all you can do is just sit in the cage. That's a description visually of what Matt's journey was for the last three years of his life. Anyways, probably should have mentioned that at the beginning, but hey, this podcast is for the hardcores anyway. Sure, so most of you guys probably know anyway. But uh, the pain's there. I'm still learning. I'm still a young sage on his development and I'll continue I shall continue to embrace these scenarios I want to know more I want to experience more I want to feel more and for all of you for, for if any of Matt's friends are listening to this Roy if you listen to this anyone anyone in a situation where you know that you could potentially be of service as I've done here for this, these parents today just know that just your presence is the service you don't need to ask any fancy questions. You don't need to do anything, really. You know, be a good bloke and bring some flowers, for God's sake. But, you know, that's all. That's all. Just bring some flowers and sit down. Allow experience to guide the way. And theory to explain the rest. You'll be amazed at what it actually means to them. And I said this in the end of the last podcast, the last on life and death, and I'll say it again. If I was in their shoes, I would, I would treasure my son's friends coming around to check up on me. Imagine if you were in their position. Wouldn't you want your child who's taken his own life due to a long mental condition where he doesn't feel like he can be himself and that he had friends so good that four years later they would still be coming to check up on you? Wouldn't you want that? I think so. I would anyway. Practice what you preach, right? So, anyways, guys, it's been a, the first podcast in the car. We did a podcast on the plane. I I guarantee we will do a podcast on a ship. I'm I'm thinking about taking a cruise sometime, not soon, but it's it's. I've got to get back to the South Pacific Islands for sure. The reason why why am I talking about this? Because that's the first time I ever left the country on my own was on a ten day cruise with Roy and Matt. And I uh, posted a lot of photos from that. And there's a lot of those photos in Matt's house, actually, uh, put up in frames. Ten days traveling South Pacific Islands with him. And that's when Matt was in his prime. That's when Matt was really my, really my teacher. Best friend as well, but teacher as well. Teacher too. So, anyways, I'm sure I'll do a podcast then as well. So, with that being said, my friends, I love your feedback. I'd love for you to drop a comment. Even if you don't have any personal experience with suicide, just just drop something. Just say hi. Just say thank you if you got something from it. That just lets me know. Drop a thumbs up. That helps as well. But really the engagement. It's really just the messages I receive from you guys. And, you know, most of the content I make is always in light of bringing something for you. But I guess this is probably the only podcast I do in my 126 or 227 episodes. I know this is BDP. 106 or something but that's because i've done like 19 or 20 social q and a's so i've done in total like 
126 episodes of the of podcast so far. Actually, more if you count the Samurai Sessions, which is what it was called before Baldur's Your Podcast. I've done, I did nine episodes of that. So it's actually like 130-something episodes. And this series on life and death is the only series I have that is purely just because I wanted to do it. And it was not the impetus of one of you. Every other podcast I ever do is always in light of one of you. But this one here is it's my own little it's my own little project. So if you do enjoy it, just let me know. I'll still be doing it anyway. <laughs> We're okay. We're finished here. So run that outro. I'm wishing you guys the best. My friends, thank you so much for diving into this poddle. It means the world to me. I love your feedback. If you want to drop a comment on YouTube, if you want to slide me a DM on the gram, at Uitang1, best place to connect with me outside of this, or even if you want to send your own context, hit up boldojo.com on pretty much every single page. There's a contact me form somewhere there where you guys can send your own individual context and we can dive in. If you guys would like a quick sip of social dynamics and all the other cool shit I'm exploring before your weekend dive, just head to boldojo.com, drop your email in, there will be a confirmation email sent to your inbox. Hit yes on that and uh, you'll receive the very next tip. Now, if you guys would also like to support this podcast and everything that's going on down here, you can donate directly through boldojo.com in the podcast section. You can also slide anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. And anything that you guys do donate goes straight back towards this channel and everything that we're doing here at the bowl at the dojo. So thank you so much. I'm very grateful. And of course, if you would like to dive into deeper education and really get your shit handled, Ebook, Crash Course Kick-Ass Day Game, the Toolbox of Game ebook, that's on Baldur.com, one-on-one Skype coaching, Bowl Inside, and also the Day Game Foundational Boot Camps, all available through Baldur.com. And with all that being said, my friends, I wish you the absolute best in your life, the absolute best in your journeys. Much peace and much joy. Ciao.